in. Shovels it back in. A golden matchup as Canada's junior men and millions of their fans get set for a date with hockey glory. Good evening. We'll set up that up during the summertime or the supper hour game between Canada and Shecky in just a moment. But we begin tonight with another hot topic around the dinner table, the high cost of food. In this case, the price of one bird in particular that has left a lot of people bewildered. CTV Siobhan Morris joins us now to explain the situation. Siobhan. Well, Michelle, chicken is a staple for so many families. It, like everything else we eat, is much more expensive. But the price of one pack of chicken I saw this week in particular has created a lot of anger at the grocery store and online. In the meat section of a West Toronto Loblaws, an eye-popping price tag for a tray of chicken. Almost $27 per kilogram, more than $37 for five breasts. It's shocking. It, it's uh kind of a little bit scary about where things are going and uh, how people's budgets uh, uh, manage. Online, the price was a fire starter for outrage about what we're paying for food. So this is where we're at, one person tweets, needing to buy chicken on layaway. Another incredulous shopper says, good Lord, will the chicken clean your home as well? That price, oh my gosh, I just can't. That disbelief carries through to the grocery store. That's really high. I don't know why it's that high. In a statement, a Loblaw spokesperson explains this is a club pack of President's Choice Free From Chicken, a product thought of as premium. They go on to say the price per kilo is in line with, if not better than what competitors charge, and that there are other poultry options. For Loblaw, free from means the animals weren't fed antibiotics. That line usually gets an obvious special label, even for premium chicken. It's still uh, a little tad on the excessive side of things. But all poultry is more expensive. Statistics Canada says in November, poultry prices were up 9.3% year over year, due in part to reduced global supply, with farmers calling and quarantining birds with avian influenza. We've lost uh, over 5 million birds in this country. So all, all those birds were intended to uh, service the Canadian market, but it never happened. So that's why there's a bit of a crunch when it comes to inventories. With higher chicken prices here to stay. I think the lesson is to, to, to think carefully about what you're buying, to look and read the label clearly, to evaluate your alternatives. Whether it be other sources of protein or just different cuts of chicken. I buy the stuff that's on sale or affordable and then cook accordingly versus go and get the stuff that I want and then find out it's $27 for a flat of chicken. There are still ways to cut corners. The picture you took was boneless, skinless, so it, it had more value added done to it. You can you can debone and take the skin off yourself. And make your precious dollar go a little further. After all the anger, Shalabad does expect grocers will discount chicken in the next three, maybe four days to try and smooth things over with shoppers. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Siobhan. It didn't get any cheaper to buy a home in the GTA in 2022, but a year-end report shows interest rate hikes are having a growing impact. Home sales peaked in February, but higher borrowing costs prompted a major slowdown as the year progressed. The Toronto Regional Real Estate Board says just over 75,000 transactions were recorded in 2022, marking a more than 38% drop compared to 2021. There were nearly 153,000 new listings, also down from the year before. 
Experts say sales should rev up again as people adapt to market conditions. As we move into the second half of 2023, you know, we'll start to see more people who had kind of moved to the sidelines and had to recalibrate, you know, whether they're thinking about a different type of home and different part of the GTA to help sort of mitigate or offset um, higher borrowing costs, higher monthly payments. Jason Mercer says it can take a year to 18 months for higher borrowing costs to have their full effect on the market. Meanwhile, average selling prices were also up 8.6% in 2022, approaching $1.2 million. The aggressive measures from the central bank clearly having an effect on home costs, but finding a decent place to live in the GTA is still out of reach for a lot of people. Tonight, Toronto's mayor revealed the cost for what he calls an aggressive plan to tackle housing affordability. But critics argue the devil may be in the details. CTV's Austin Delaney is at City Hall right now to break this down. Austin. Well, we're fast approaching budget time here at City Hall. And over the last few days, the mayor has been holding news conference explaining his plan. But today there are councillors questioning whether we can afford that plan. There is no denying Toronto is in the midst of a housing crisis. Homelessness for the most vulnerable, affordability for many other working residents. The scarce resources we have. The mayor today announced $2 billion in gross spending on housing, $616 million in direct support from the city's tax base for housing initiatives. This is needed uh, funding to help our most vulnerable residents and to help people find a pathway out of homelessness. Some of the money to support the implementation of legalizing multi-tenant housing, the multi-unit residential acquisition program and eviction prevention. We weren't sitting on a pile of extra money, as I think a lot of you are aware. And that is where other councillors raise their eyebrows. Late last year, the mayor announced that the city of Toronto is facing a $1.5 billion shortfall. Today, there is no evidence that we've been able to address that problem. The city's budget chief assures that he has a plan for this. But thanks to our responsible financial management, we will be presenting a fully balanced budget. Today, Tory says the budget plan includes calling on the province and Ottawa to send checks to City Hall to help with the fallout of COVID or risk putting capital projects on hold. I've made that very clear to the other governments as well. And it's not a threat, it's not a, a doomsday scenario, it's a simple statement of common sense fact that the money has to come from somewhere. Councillor Josh Matlow warns the city cannot count on an ask of other governments. Well, I appreciate that the mayor is signaling that housing is a priority. There is no evidence that the money is there to cover the costs of his housing promises. It is not clear which capital projects would be at risk if the province and feds do not pitch in. Now, the mayor says the, uh, the other levels of government have an obligation to prop up this city, the fourth largest in North America, and doesn't have any new ways to raise revenue. We're putting live. I'm Austin Delaney. Thank you, Austin. Commuters are weighing in on another part of the mayor's proposed budget. It would hike TTC fares by 10 cents while bringing in new safety measures. I'm sure it's going to be unfortunate for a lot of people. Um, I feel like every cent matters nowadays. And I guess you got to pay for things somehow. Uh, the whole city's in debt. Nothing's getting paid for. <laughs> got to give the police a billion dollars for their budget. Uh, 10 cents will help a lot, I'm sure. The 10 cent increase would put adult cash fares at $3.35, relatively lower than other big Canadian cities. The budget also promises a $53 billion, billion dollar increase in subsidies from the city to fund 50 new special constables and 10 streets to home workers. At the same time, service levels are being reduced slightly as ridership levels stay below pre-pandemic norms. Show and prove. 
Travelers arriving from China, Hong Kong and Macau are now under new COVID testing rules when landing in Canada. The criticism and the response, that's coming up. The soggy start to the new year, sticking around for another night. A live look at our beautiful city right now. Many people wondering when they can leave their umbrellas at home finally. Michelle Jobin is here with a look at the current conditions. Bring on the sun at some point. <laughs> well, a lot of people will be finally happy to see the sun as we get into the weekend, Michelle. But before that, we have one more 24-hour, 36-hour period or so of cloudier and I would say unsettled weather. Looking at our radar and satellite imagery right now, we have had some showers earlier in the GTA, a little bit more of a mix and or flurries to the north, as you can see. Tapering off right now, but we could see a return to flurries and or showers in the next little while. And yet again, tomorrow, right now, still sitting above zero, for the most part throughout the region. We've gone back and forth between three and four degrees here this afternoon in the city of Toronto. Notice wind direction still for the most part out of the south or southwest. That's ushering in a bit of a milder air mass. Still cloudy throughout the region, though, even if we've had a little break in the showers. Three at the islands, four at Pearson Airport. Look for some flurries through the overnight and a low of zero. I'll let you know exactly what we can expect for the weekend and just how much longer that sun will last past then. Coming up, back to you. Thank you, Michelle. In Hamilton, there is a growing memorial for the victims of a terrible house fire that claimed four lives over the holidays. Tonight, we're learning more about three of the people who died, who are all from the same family. CTV's Andrew Brennan joins us now from Hamilton. Andrew. Well, Nathan, this is where two separate neighborhoods are still grieving and also trying to process what happened. But we can now identify three of the people that died in that fire, two children and their mother. We'll start off with Lambo and Khaleesi. They were eight and seven years old. Lambo and Khaleesi McIsaac. Now, by all accounts, they were like many children. They loved to play. They especially loved pizza. Now, their mother also perished in the fire. Her name is Cassie Chrysler. I should say was because she did perish as well. And a family friend tells us that she used to dote on her kids, very affectionate, and they returned it in kind. Now, we were also told that the messages that were left on the door, some including from family members, they say things such as watch over those who loved you. There's several stuffed animals that were left at the door of the apartment as well as at the home where the fire took place, the father's home. We were also told by one family friend that these that the mother often slept in the same room as the children at the back of that house just above where the fire originated now we spoke to one friend who was seven years old she goes to the same school that the children went to she would talk about the fun that they had over this past summer also a family friend who often took care of the two children what would you do with the pool rather swim in it and play water fights as a single mom, when she needed a minute, we were happy to have Khaleesi and Lambo over and give her a few minutes to herself. I know one of the first times that we had them over, um, she said to me, I'm just going to take a few minutes to myself for my birthday. And I said, oh, was it recently? And she was like, no, it was a few months ago. And she, this family friend, has also started to go fund me to try to help pay for three funerals as uh, the mother's two-step, or I should say her two her two adult children, who are the half-siblings of the two children who died, will now have to, one, pay for three, three funerals on top of trying to deal with their own grief. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brandon. We'll send it back to you both inside. Thank you, Andrew. 
Well, one of the eight teenage girls accused in a swarming murder downtown last month is already free on bail. The others are still waiting for their hearing dates. The seven girls between 13 and 16 years old were back in court today, appearing by video from their detention centers. They're all accused of second-degree murder in the stabbing death of a 59-year-old man near Union Station. Their identities are not being released because they are minors. Durham police have charged a teenage boy in connection with a threat against a school earlier this week. On Monday, police say they were made aware of a planned future threat to Uxbridge Secondary School. Investigators later identified and arrested a 15-year-old boy from Scugog. He's charged with uttering threats, which police say they take very seriously. Police in Toronto also taking seriously a fatal hit and run from Wednesday. They say they're on the hunt for a pickup truck that is key to this investigation. Our Janice Golding joins us live now from where the collision happened around this time last night, Janice. That's right, Michelle, and police are asking for the public's help in locating the hit-and-run driver who actually struck the victim in the intersection right behind us here during yesterday's evening rush. You're looking at surveillance video from the seconds leading up to the impact. In slow motion, a man crosses 2nd Street in the crosswalk while a dark-colored Ford pickup approaches on Lakeshore West from the other direction. The truck turns right or north when it collides with the victim. Sirens looked out my window and there was all kinds of police cars and lights splashing. So naturally I got out, took the dog for a walk and uh, saw the ambulance there taking care of the, the man. Mark says it was just after 5.10 p.m. when he saw the aftermath of the hit and run. The 59-year-old man was taken to hospital where he later died. We both drive and the first thing that you would do if you hit someone my God, the first instinct would be to stop and help and see what you could do for the individual. I don't understand how people can be that way. I, I, it just it baffles my mind. Police have now issued these words of advice to the hit-and-run driver. There's a lot of video and there are several eyewitnesses to this event. So my advice to the driver of that vehicle is get a lawyer and turn yourself in. Area residents say they're shaken by what happened, although they say the accident itself is not surprising. It's very bad, obviously. But something needs to be done because there's been a lot of accidents here on this specific spot where that accident happened. It's pretty dangerous. People are always racing by here. Before this wasn't here this late and kids got hit by cars. Police have canvassed the neighborhood all day, collecting surveillance video and speaking to witnesses. This is Toronto's first traffic fatality of the new year. Now, we did speak to a large number of the victim's friends today, and they tell CTV News his name was Steve. They say he was a longtime area resident who actually just lived three blocks from here. They describe him as a quiet man who was very kind. They say he did no one any harm. They say he is survived by his brother, his sisters, and his mother. Reporting live, I'm Janice Golding. Now back to Michelle. Thank you, Janice. And one person was taken to hospital in critical condition last night after a trailer explosion in North York. Emergency crews were called to Glencairn Avenue and Allen Road at around 11.45. They found a person with life-threatening burns. Officials are investigating. The Ontario Liberals have released a report reflecting on their election performance last June as the NDP prepares to name its next leader. Davenport MPP Morris Stiles was the only candidate by the December deadline. That led the party to switch up its plans, moving the leadership vote from early March to early February. Hamilton Mayor Andrew Horvath stepped down after losing the provincial election, but leading the NDP to another term as the official opposition. 
Some new rules tonight for anyone coming in by plane from China. The measures are meant to help curb a surge of COVID-19 in that country, but critics argue the move may do more harm than good. CTV's Sean Lee Thong is live at Pearson Airport with reaction from travelers. Sean. Well, Nathan and Michelle, some of the travelers I spoke to today said that they were used to providing proof of testing and other requirements within China, but they were wondering why they were being singled out here in Canada. Holding their negative test results, passengers arriving from China once again have to prove they do not have COVID-19. I think it's unfair. Mm, it really doesn't bother me. I don't think it does anything. Karen Zhang is a nurse returning from vacation in China and says there isn't much point in mandatory negative tests to enter a country with few other restrictions. As soon as I get off the airplane, like right now, everyone's mask-free. Like, why should I get a test? Starting today, anyone arriving from mainland China, Hong Kong and Macau must provide a negative COVID-19 test. The rule applies to anyone two years and older and tests must be within 48 hours of departure. Both molecular PCR tests and antigen tests will be accepted with an exemption for anyone who has tested positive more than 10 days ago and within the last 90 days. Despite the requirement focusing only on China, William Wu, who lives in Montreal, says he doesn't see it as discriminatory. Because it's not only Chinese, it's people come from China. So even a Canadian who travel to China and come back to Canada, he needs to do that as well. Health Canada says the rule was put in place because of surging cases in China. While restrictions there are lifting, low levels of immunity among the Chinese people, hospital capacity issues here, and an expected increase in travel for Chinese New Year. I think uh, this, this law is useless. Arthur Chi, who's waiting for his wife and daughter, says most of his friends have already had COVID-19. It's like a drop in the bucket when you consider how many cases we have in Canada daily. Infectious disease expert Dr. Alon Weissman says previous efforts to control the spread of COVID like this have proven ineffective. Even if there was a specific variant of concern that's coming from China only, the likelihood of you being able to control that with these kinds of uh, restrictions or testing is very low. The testing requirement will remain in place until at least February 4th. Dr. Weissman was also saying that another method for, another reason perhaps for tracking this or track, use, making people prove that they had been a clear test is that they could be tracking new variants that would come within the country. He says that could easily be done by voluntary testing or random testing, not proving that somebody has a negative test. Reporting live, I'm Sean Leethong. Michelle, send it back to you. Thank you, Sean. And as those measures take effect, a COVID subvariant prompting concern is already present in this country. The Public Health Agency of Canada says 21 cases of Omicron XBB15 had been detected as of Wednesday. 12 infections have been confirmed in BC, four in Alberta. The virus type was first identified south of the border in late October, and it now makes up the vast majority of cases in the U.S. Northeast. Top executives at Sunwing today promised to compensate passengers caught up in days of travel chaos over the holidays. They also vowed to regain their trust going forward. The CEO of Sunwing Travel Group and the president of Sunwing Airlines released a joint statement. They say the company had clear failures in responding to weather delays and other issues, writing in part, we are incredibly sorry for letting our customers down. As a carrier scaling up to meet our highest demand in years, we built an achievable plan which, due to a confluence of factors, we could no longer deliver. And we regret that we did not meet the level of service our customers expect from Sunwing. Meanwhile, hundreds of Sunwing passengers are considering filing a class action lawsuit against a traveler. CTV's John Woodward has all the details on that effort and how experts are reacting on our website. 
That's at ctvnewstoronto.ca. Cheering for Canada in their gold medal revenge match at the World Junior Championship final in Halifax. Beth McDonnell has reaction from fans at Real Sports coming up. He was remembered for bestowing wisdom, tenderness, and devotion during his papacy. Tens of thousands gathered in St. Peter's Square today for the funeral of Pope Benedict. CTV's chief international correspondent Paul Workman reports. The man who rocked the Roman Catholic Church by doing something simple by retiring. Not so simple, however, when you're the first pope to break with 600 years of church tradition. Pope Benedict XVI, born Joseph Ratzinger of Germany, his coffin laid before a crowd of 50,000 mourners as mist hung over the great dome of St. Peter. A funeral mass led by Pope Francis, too frail to walk to the altar on his own. An 86-year-old pope burying a 95-year-old pope. Ending an unusual and confusing decade in church history. Two popes sharing titles and the Vatican at the same time. We commend to your mercy a fearless teacher and faithful minister of divine mysteries, said Francis. The Mass was celebrated by 125 cardinals and nearly 4,000 bishops and priests, largely following Benedict's wishes for a humble and solemn ceremony, yet in magnificent surroundings. Applause broke out as Benedict's coffin was carried back into St. Peter's Basilica by a dozen papal assistants. Some in the crowd shouting for him to be made a saint. In a moving moment of farewell, Pope Francis made the sign of the cross and laid his right hand on Benedict's coffin before it was taken into the basilica for burial in a grotto beside the bodies of other popes. Pope Benedict, of course, set an extraordinary precedent for the church by retiring. His death now frees Pope Francis to consider following the same path, something he's talked about for a long time. Paul Workman, CTV News, the Vatican. Ukraine says the war will end when the invaders leave or are thrown out. It is dismissing a 36-hour ceasefire that would see Russian troops hold fire starting tomorrow at noon local time. The Kremlin says the head of the Russian Orthodox Church called for a Christmas truce, but Ukrainian officials call the ceasefire lies and hypocrisy. They say it's a trick to halt the progress of Ukraine's forces in the eastern Donbass region and bring in more of their own. This is very encouraging news tonight on the health of Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin. The 24-year-old safety is now awake, and the first thing he wanted to know was, did we win the game? When he asked, did we win, the answer is yes. You know, DeMar, you won. You've won the game of life. Uh, and that's probably the most important thing out of this, and we really need to keep him at the center uh, of everything else that's going on. And we really want to ensure a good outcome for him. Doctors say Hamlin began to wake up last night with the rest of his body healing. He can't speak yet because of a breathing tube in his throat, but can communicate in writing. Hamlin is also able to hold the hands of family members. His neurological function is intact, meaning he can follow commands and move. Doctors say all this is a good turning point, but Hamlin remains in critical, well, critically ill, and significant progress is still needed. His heart stopped after making a tackle during the Monday nighter in Cincinnati. The game was suspended and will not be resumed. 
In Washington, no end in sight to the gridlock on Capitol Hill as Republicans try to elect a Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy appears to still not have enough support. I think we're having good um, discussions. I think everybody wants to find a solution. And the good thing about it is we worked this all out at the beginning, so the rest of the Congress will be very productive for the American public. You're confident that you're going to get there by today? Look, I, I don't pick the day. I'm confident we'll get to the solution. The group of GOP holdouts opposed to McCarthy showing no sign of backing down. Neither does the California representative who is under growing pressure to find the votes he needs or make way for someone else. That said, just moments ago, he was nominated once again for a historic 11th round of voting. Hughes. Broken up by Law. That goal, the nail in the coffin for the Americans, and what many fans hope is a preview of tonight against the Czech Republic. We're just moments away from puck drop at the gold medal game at the World Juniors. Fans are anxious about Canada's chances, especially after what happened the last two times these teams met. With more on that is our Beth McDonnell, who is with fans at Real Sports right now. How's it going, Beth? It's going great, Michelle. Fans are excited to cheer on Team Canada in this final gold medal game. Fans have been gathered here for hours to secure a spot at a table and make sure they can watch the game. Team Canada is up against Czechia, also known as the Czech Republic. These teams are interesting adversaries. Canada lost to Czechia in its first game of the series on Boxing Day. We'll see if Canada can come out with a different result tonight. Fans are feeling positive. Here's what they have to say. Uh, I think Canada's going to win because Canada's really good and Connor Bernard's really good. Just gold, right? Number one. It's our game. We deserve gold. We've, we've got great teams, we've got great talent, we've got a great pool of kids. We got, we, we're, we're hockey. We're hockey. We're looking for Bedard to just keep doing what he does and, you know, keep scoring and breaking records and bring home the gold. you got to represent the country. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really great, like, just to be here for the whole ride. And, uh, you know, it'd probably be a nice night of celebrating after that. This is the second World Juniors tournament in just five months. Canada won in August after the tournament was postponed last winter because of COVID. The bronze medal game in this series has already been decided. The USA won over Sweden 8-7. Team Canada hits the ice at 6.30. Reporting live, I'm Beth McDonnell. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Beth. If you have an eagle eye, you may have noticed an extra body on the ice during the World Juniors final, but it's not a player or a ref. CTV's Katie Kelly explains. Bernard back with it. Slides in again. For the past week, all eyes have been on the 2023 World Junior Championships. But some may say the camouflaged or ghost camera operators are stealing the show. Now fans are dressing up like him and chanting Nate, Nate, Nate. I love it. The goal of TSN's Nate Ides is to get up close shots on the ice. All of the highs and lows captured on camera. 
He's dressed all in white to help blend in and not distract the players. But he's been doing quite the opposite for fans in Halifax. The famous CS and camouflage camera guy has got his own fan club now. Moncton was a similar situation with Devin Como behind the on-ice lens, even seen passing out a puck to a young fan. We reached out to Nate Ides for comment. He responded by saying, I'm behind the camera for a reason, and although this attention I'm receiving is flattering, do not crave the limelight. I'll leave that up to Connor Bedard. Katie Kelly, CTV News. Coming up, adding insult to injury. A GTA driver gets his SUV stolen and then a couple of parking tickets, courtesy of the thief in the mail. I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, many of us shopped online for the holidays, but if you got something you didn't want, you may have to return it. A Newcastle man says he sent back a $1,700 camcorder, but the company said they never received it and are denying his refund. All of my reports just ahead. Quite a lot of rain yesterday, but was it unusual? Well, definitely heavy, and we may exceed our monthly average for January. But looking at the last nine years, we can see that some years we got quite a lot of rain at this time of the year, looking at 2020 at 105.6 millimeters. So uh, the question is, is there more rain in the forecast? I'll let you know more about that coming up. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Online shopping has become the new normal for many of us, but sometimes what you see online is not exactly what shows up at your door. While many returns go off without a hitch, what happens if a company says they didn't receive the product you sent back? Pat Foran has our story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. A Newcastle man bought a $1,700 camcorder online, but after he received it, he decided to send it back. Even though he has a tracking number from Canada Post, he was told the package was not returned and he was denied his refund. Michael McKelvey of Newcastle is an avid photographer and videographer who enjoys taking photos and videos. Many of the items he purchases are from Amazon. The ease, the convenience, the prices, the selection, and of course the delivery. In September, he bought a Canon camcorder from Amazon for almost $1,700. But once the video camera arrived, it didn't have some of the features he expected, so he decided to send it back. McKelvey says he followed Amazon's return policy and got a tracking number from Canada Post, but Amazon said it never received the package. They never, ever acknowledged the receiving it, even though within a couple of days I had, I had it tracked by Canada Post and they confirmed it was there. McKelvey says he was then told he had returned the wrong item, which had been destroyed, and he wouldn't be getting a refund. In an email, Amazon said, It appears we received the incorrect item and no compensation is provided for incorrect items sent to Amazon. I know what I sent back. It was the exact same camera. McKelvey is not happy about losing almost $1,700. I want my money back. I sent it to them. I did the tracking. I did absolutely everything correct. CTV News reached out to Amazon and a spokesperson said all returned items are carefully expected and that the vast majority of returns are resold as new or used, returned to suppliers and sellers, liquidated or donated. The company also agreed to look into McKelvey's case and when they did, they decided to give him a full refund for the camcorder, which was good news for him. 
They contacted me three times, told me the credit was finally going to come through, and I'm very pleased to announce that it did. Thank you again. Thank you very much. We really appreciate the help. And if you buy something online and have to send it back, follow the return policy instructions to the letter. Try and track the package, keep receipts, and any other information that can help you prove you returned it. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. It's one thing to have your car stolen, but imagine getting hit with parking tickets thanks to the thief. An Oakville man can't believe no red flags were raised and finds the entire ordeal mind-boggling. CTV's Allison Hurst has the story. And just watch how they leave in the car, like they own it. Danny Latinzik first noticed the car was gone when they were heading on a family outing. I don't know, Mom's car. All that was left, the dry spot where it had been parked. He checked the security cameras to watch two men approach his vehicle and then minutes later climb in and drive away. It's an extreme violation of your own property. Um, we have two little kids and they definitely had a difficult time the first couple weeks. Latinzik says he reported it to police that day on October 10th. About a month later, he got two letters in the mail from the city of Mississauga. I was blown away. The letters were two parking tickets for his car after the theft, both near townhome complexes, one on October 11th and the other October 19th. If these guys, you know, when they go there with their device and if they type in the license plate, why wouldn't it come up stolen? Not once, but twice. All stolen cars are registered on the Canadian Police Information Centre's CPIC, and Halton Police confirmed they added it to the database. But the city of Mississauga says its ticketing app doesn't interact with that database, and they don't have the resources to enter VINs for every vehicle issued a parking infraction. Experts say often cars are parked illegally for a cooling-off period to make sure the car doesn't have a GPS. They are frequently caught by police officers, but when you think of the number of bylaw officers out there checking illegally parked vehicles, if they were all to be checked on CPIC against police records, there's a greater chance of more stolen cars being recovered. This comes amid a crackdown on car thefts and rings operating in the GTA. Last January, York Region Police recovered 50 stolen vehicles worth $50 million in Project Extinction. A month later, Toronto Police charged seven people with 40 counts in Project Taurus. And in November, York Region Police recovered more than 70 stolen vehicles. The Lexus SUV stolen in this case was probably destined to be sold overseas. They're very popular over there and in demand. Latinsic guesses by now his SUV is likely overseas, but he just wants to see better communication between municipalities and police on this issue. Can't understand with technology we have these days how they can't make that happen. Ultimately, he didn't have to pay the tickets and insurance covered the car, but getting parking tickets from a thief should never have happened. Allison Hurst, CTV News. All right, to the forecast. Today kind of feels like Friday for me, and it might actually be that way tomorrow. Ah, oh, yeah. You know what? I, I cannot believe Friday's already here. And it's almost here. Yeah. I know. And basically, by tomorrow, that'll be our last day of this unsettled weather. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll stay, for the most part, in a very similar pattern tomorrow to what we experienced today. But so many people, of course, have been messaging me saying, when are we seeing the sun again? Mm -hmm. I promise, it. if you're looking for the sun, I have good news for you. It is on the way in our seven-day forecast sooner rather than later. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand it's hard to stop a train.
So temperatures have really been the other big story that we've had over the past while, of course, you know, if we look back over towards just before Christmas and over the weekend during Christmas, quite cold, quite below our normals. And since then, we kind of shifted more to a milder pattern, certainly since we were on last weekend. As we get into the next little while, that's about to change, not drastically, but a little bit. So we're looking at four degrees in the city of Toronto right now at Pearson, three in Trenton, three in Windsor, and one degree in Muskoka and Wyerton. Sat around three to four degrees during the afternoon today. Flow of air, the direction of the wind, has been out of the south or southwest, mostly southwest for Toronto, kept us a little warmer. Tonight, going down to low of zero for perspective, normal for this time of the year would be minus nine. So that's, you know, still trending quite mild. We could see some spotty showers or flurries this evening, transitioning over more to flurries as we head through the overnight period and into the morning before we get into around three, four degrees as we get into the afternoon, then more likely to see some showers. So there is some precipitation in the forecast, more so as we head into eastern Ontario, and I'll show you how things play out. Rainfall totals from yesterday, quite a lot. As of 9 a.m. today, you can see we had some higher totals, especially Whitby, 37.8 in Toronto, 21 millimeters yesterday. So satellite and radar showing that spotty precipitation out there, sort of moving east of Toronto right now. Uh, developing low, moving through in the next little while and as the cold front passes through as we get in late in tomorrow into Saturday that's when we see a shift so putting our forecast radar in motion you can see here a little bit of flurry activity to the north of the city or a mix of precipitation a little more so as we get into the morning at times but mostly I'm picking up rainfall in the afternoon in the city of Toronto before things sort of clear out especially overnight into Saturday uh, and that's where we see more sunshine on the way so you've been looking for the sunshine it is here for you as we get into the weekend. So four degrees again tomorrow, two for Saturday, and then down to minus six with clear skies up to just zero for Sunday. And we see the sunshine carrying on into the beginning of next week. Back to you, Nathan. All right, thank you, Michelle. Also tonight, a deepening royal rift. The new revelations ahead of the release of Prince Harry's memoir. The relationship has been strained for quite a while, and now this. In a new book, Prince Harry says he was physically attacked by his brother during an argument. CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver reports. There's a new layer to the deep rifts in the royal family. Today, The Guardian published an excerpt that it says is from Harry's memoir, alleging that during a visit to Harry's London home in 2019, Prince William called Harry's wife, Meghan Markle, rude, difficult and abrasive. The situation apparently escalating, with Harry claiming in his book that his brother grabbed me by the collar, ripping my necklace, and he knocked me to the floor. I landed on the dog's bowl, which cracked under my back, the pieces cutting into me. I lay there for a moment, dazed, then got to my feet and told him to get out. We know there is quite a significant uh, gap between the brothers in terms of their relationship, and it seems to have been exacerbated uh, by uh, the arrival of Meghan on the scene. Together since 2016, Harry and Meghan have frequently talked publicly about being isolated by the royal family, even claiming in a recent Netflix documentary. You know, there's leaking, but there's also planting of stories. That the royal family has fed stories to the press. Now it appears Harry and William's relationship could not be further apart. I don't know how staying silent is ever going to make things better. And it appears Harry's relationship with his father is strained too. Speaking to Britain's ITV, Harry would not commit to attending King Charles's coronation in May. 
there's a lot that can happen between now and then. But, you know, the door is always open. The, the ball is in their court. There's a lot to be discussed, and I really hope that they are willing to sit down and talk about it. Buckingham Palace is once again facing some difficult questions, and they'll face more when these two interviews air on Sunday. For now, Buckingham Palace is refusing to comment. Annie Bergeron Oliver, CTV News, London. Marvel star Jeremy Renner shared a video from the hospital today as he recovers from a snowplow accident. That was the first shower. I definitely weak or so. Gross. Renner appeared to be getting his hair washed by his sister, thanking her and his mom for an ICU spa moment to lift his spirits. The 51-year-old was run over by his own snowplow uh, Sunday as he tried to help a family member who was stuck in the snow in Nevada. Toronto's The weekend is entering the new year, making music streaming history. The Scarborough singer's song, Blinding Lights, is now the most streamed song ever on Spotify. The weekend celebrated the new news on New Year's Eve, and it was tweeted out by the streaming service this week. Blinding Lights claimed the top spot from Ed Sheeran's track, Shape of You. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Still ahead, something for our country to get revved up about. The first all-Canadian zero-emission car makes its debut at CES in Las Vegas. It, it's uh, kind of a little bit scary about where things are going and uh, how people's budgets uh, uh, manage. Updating our top stories, a package of unusually priced chicken breasts at a Toronto Loblaws has gained a ton of reaction online at nearly $27 a kilogram. Many say it highlights the ongoing issues surrounding food affordability. Looked out my window and there was all kinds of police cars and lights flashing. Toronto police are searching for a driver involved in a fatal hit and run in Etobicoke. The victim, a man in his 50s, and police described the vehicle involved as a black pickup truck. No suspect description has been released yet. Uh, I think Canada's gonna win because Canada's really good. Fans are cheering for Team Canada in the gold medal match, the World Junior Championship final right now. Canada will be looking for redemption as they face off against Czechia again after losing 5-2 on Boxing Day. The score is 0-0 early in the first. On the markets, the loonie was down about a half a cent to 73.64 U.S. Oil is up to 73.67 U.S. a barrel. And the TSX ended the day down at about 19,506. It's a first a zero emission concept vehicle designed, engineered and built in Canada. Just ahead, Project Aero unveiled in Vegas. The Consumer Electronics Show opened today in Vegas, billed as the most influential tech event in the world. And among the thousands of innovations being unveiled, an all-Canadian electric vehicle. CTV Scott Lightfoot reports. In a city known for gambling, today Canada's auto parts makers went all in. To me, this is Canada putting a lot of chips uh, into the heart of where the industry is going. Named Project Aero, it is a Canadian-made electric vehicle. The project was announced just prior to the pandemic in January of 2020 and unveiled at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas this afternoon. 
We said we'd come back in three years with an all Canadian designed, engineered, supplied uh, zero emission uh, concept prototype. And uh, we did it on time and on budget. The vehicle was made using more than 50 different Canadian manufacturers and showcases more than 25 new technologies. But it's not a vehicle you'll likely see in dealerships and driveways. Rather, it's a four-wheeled showcase of the design, engineering and manufacturing capabilities of Canada's auto parts makers. It becomes a very effective and visible calling card for small and larger Canadian companies to go to these, uh, these uh, larger OEMs or, or automakers and say, look what we can do, look at our technology. The electric vehicle industry is one that Canada has been working hard to attract and the hope is that the various parts that make up this vehicle will be attractive to international automakers. When we look at automaker investment by country historically for the last few years, uh, Canada had been going at about 6 or 7% of the North American total. Um, in the last two years, that's gone up to 16, 17. And while the arrow won't likely end up on the road, many are hoping its successful showcase will be used to drive business, from global car companies to the dozens of Canadian companies that put it in gear. It allows particularly small companies access to large automakers that they would otherwise not have. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. All right, and to note, if you want to get a closer look, that vehicle will be on display at the Canadian International Auto Show at the Toronto Convention Centre next month. Worth a look. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to take a fancy car like that out on the road these days. It's been so messy out there, but we are eventually going to dry out. You know, with the drier conditions definitely on the way as we get into the weekend, as we go through tonight and tomorrow, though, still a little bit on, uh, I would say, the little more slippery side. Not a lot of rain, but let's take a look at satellite and radar imagery right now. And you can see we have had some showers pass through the GTA, a little bit more mixed precipitation or flurries to the north. Overnight, that's possible. Uh, more likely flurries as we head into the overnight and early tomorrow morning. It's four degrees right now in Toronto. We've been hovering around three, four, zero degrees overnight and then back to four degrees tomorrow, hence the showers in the afternoon. And then look at that sunshine returning for Saturday, Sunday, Monday. However, it does come with colder temperatures getting closer to what our seasonable normals are for this time of the year. So if you've been missing the sun, there it is. And a reminder about the new Lotto 649 with two big jackpots to be won on one ticket. Saturday's classic jackpot is $5 million. And the new gold ball jackpot is $48 million. You can head to olg.ca for more information. All right. Thank you, Michelle. And be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. Our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Michelle Jobin and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.